PM board bombs. Now, here's doctors Iltafat Hussein and Blake Bruce. Welcome back to another EM Board Bombs podcast, where we continue to drop EM Board Bomb pearls. Right, Dr. Brick? Woo! Hey, sorry I didn't formally introduce you. Is that okay with you? I know sometimes you get upset when I don't introduce you formally. Yes, the right, the honorable, the just. Sorry, Dr. Blake. Assistant Professor. Briggs. Yeah, so, yeah. There, we go. there we go. There we go. Sorry about that. Um, hey, uh, you're back in one piece after your camping trip in the oh, yeah. Grand Canyon? wasn't just a camping trip it was a, a backcountry expedition thank you very much sojourn yes. would you call that a sojourn, sojourn. Yeah. like a week-long trip in the grand it wasn't Canyon. an easy sojourn that's for sure <laughs> no not at all it would have been nice if uh you know joseph and i had been invited by the way you know well the, the trip like i, I understand i thought this. we all rolled as a crew you know <laughs> we all the gang will get back together uh, later this summer on, a, on an expedition don't worry don't worry right we we are currently planning our expedition as we speak um, it's going to be somewhere in the West. Hey, on to this. This is a continuing series of a collaboration we have with ASEP's Peer Board Review, but with a twist. The question module we're doing is part of ASEP's Peer Cert. So ASEP, uh, they're modeling their Peer Cert Plus questions after the ABEM writing process. They're creating questions to mirror how emergency physicians manage specific presentations in their everyday practice. As always, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram. And our handles there are at EM Board Bombs. You can check us out, our website, emboardbombs.com. We've got awesome handouts there. And we'd love to plug our premium podcast, EM Rapid Bombs. If you enjoy EM Board Bombs and you want a TikTok version of our podcast, that's where you can subscribe to our Rapid Bombs podcast. We prepare you for boards, but also, frankly, clinical practice. A lot of folks initially signed up simply to study for the boards, but they've stayed on why, Dr. Brick? They want to optimize their life. There you go. I love it. They want to optimize their life. They want to get their clinical practice in. We all know to be the best EM providers, we need to be learning new content all the time. That's why you're probably listening to this podcast. So we drop a lot of that knowledge at EM Rapid Bomb. We have passed over 200 episodes on that premium podcast alone. 200. 200, right? We drop two to four minute episodes, high yield knowledge, just so it gets seared into your memory. We're going to be dropping anywhere from three to four episodes a week, so you get hours of content a month. And Dr. Briggs, again, as we always say, don't waste your time studying just for the boards with traditional question bank. Optimize your time by listening to our board pearls that help you with the test, but more importantly, with life. You can sign up emrapidbombs.supercast.com. Again, that's emrapidbombs.supercast.com. You can look at our show notes on our podcast for more details and you can check out our website as well and you can even sign up for a trial version if you want to try it out for 24 hours before you choose to continue hey dr briggs ready for this topic let's go dr briggs i apologize but this topic and the stem that i made might be related for you oh boy (laughs) a 31 year old dashing professor doctor Unfortunately, was struck by lightning. He was at the Grand Canyon taking a selfie with a selfie stick. This, unfortunately, is not a new thing because approximately one to two people die in the Grand Canyon every year from taking selfies. That's a thing. Unfortunately, 
Not only was he taking a selfie, he was u- utilizing his new, quote, extendable 25-foot selfie stick, end quote, that he got from Amazon. It took up his whole backpack, but he felt that it was worth it for the gram. <laughs> One of his colleagues back home told him, maybe not worth it, but he didn't listen to him. By the way, lightning strikes in the Grand Canyon an average of 25,000 times a year. 25,000 times. So this is not implausible. Selfie stick, maybe. Anyways. Unfortunately, he's got non-circumferential partial thickness burns on the left upper arm. The lab results and EKG are unremarkable. The patient is ambulatory and reports that he feels fine. What is the appropriate disposition for this patient? Is it A, admit to general medicine floor? B, Discharge with outpatient follow-up. C, observe overnight in the ED. Or D, transfer to a burn center. Dr. Briggs, what's the correct answer here? Correct answer here is going to be B, discharge with outpatient follow-up. The number of selfie sticks I saw once I finished my hike and climbed to the top of the rim it was insane. We were taking bets on how many people we would see taking selfies on the <laughs> rim, and uh, it exceeded our expectations, unfortunately. Um, unfortunately. It was dis- disappointing. Uh, I wanted to go back, crawl back into the canyon where I would be alone again. <laughs> <laughs> so, this patient does not have any indications for hospitalization following a lightning strike injury. This is a great ASEP peer question, I think. And it's because it's telling you two different things. It's, it's coming from the perspective of a lightning strike victim as well as a burn patient. And given the patient's overall well appearance, normal lab results, lack of EKG changes, this patient can be discharged home with wound care instructions and close burn outpatient follow-up. What are the indications for admission here? Well, admission indications in this case would include persistent muscle pain, neurologic deficits, dysrhythmias or significant EKG abnormalities, and signs of arterial spasm, like, you know, non-palpable pulses, poorly, poorly perfused extremities or elevated troponin. All that stuff is just common sense. Like any one of us would admit someone for those reasons alone for any other condition, right? Although some sources recommend 12 to 24 hours of cardiac monitoring following a lightning strike, others leave the length of observation period to the clinician's discretion. So yeah, and remember, Dr. Briggs, we've covered lightning strikes before years ago, so we're not going to get into the nitty gritty of some of the things we discussed there. You can check out episode 17 the OG episode, right? And forgive the audio. That was old school. We were using AirPods. Forgive Iltafat's audio. Okay, fine. Remember, as I always say, I never thought this podcast would go and yours somehow did. Yeah. Okay, Dr. That's, that's kind. Somehow that's always did. kind to say someone, you know, if you got <laughs> married to someone, if you got married and you said, I never thought this marriage would go anywhere, wh- how would you feel about that? I would rephrase it. I never thought this marriage would go so amazing. Would blossom Would blossom into something so beautiful. <laughs> would blossom into something beautiful, right? That would be a compliment. That would be a compliment. <laughs> hey, let's cover the highlights hey. of lightning strikes. Come on, let's cover this. So remember, the current from lightning strikes, DC is much more common than EC. Path of least resistance is important to know. I don't know why they like asking this, but and it kind of helps with the path of fizz, I guess. Nerve is least resistant. <laughs> Bone is most. Complications? Cardiac arrest. Very rare. Very rare. What's the most common rhythm you might get asked? Asystole. 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 <laughs> I hate pronouncing this next thing, Dr. Briggs. I just oh, don't like to one. pronounce it. These next two words are fantastic. Ah, 
Man, this is where my ESL classes are coming in. Overdrive. Karyanu paralysis. Karyanu paralysis. Karyanu paralysis? It's a transient paralysis due to autonomic nervous mediated basal A couple key things here. Two Ps. So pallor, pulselessness, cyanosis, motor sensory changes. It affects the lower limbs more than the upper limbs. This is going to resolve spontaneously. That's a key thing to remember. Resolving spontaneously, there's nothing to do. So don't be pushing things like PPA for this, all right? It's going to resolve spontaneously. <laughs> Next, Lichtenberg figure. The Lichtenberg. Uh, Lichtenberg uh, figures. That. It's that weird ferning pattern. Again, nothing to do for that. It looks cool. It might show you that. It might show you that. You should Google that, actually. It's pretty cool to look at. It is. Hey, here's the next point that everyone knows. If you ask any med student or resident this next point, if they've been studying for the IT, they 100% know this next Hundo. point. Hundo. Hundo. <laughs> the emoji. The 100 emoji. Yeah, exactly. Pre-hospital management. It breaks the triage rule. What does that mean? So basically, for lightning strikes, remember, usually you're, when you're triaging someone, you're triaging folks that you think you can save. Lightning strikes are a little bit different. So if that patient does have asystole, you should go to them and take care of them first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so back to again to this question here. This patient doesn't have any indications for hospitalization. High-risk features that would necessitate admission include severe trauma, abnormal EKG findings, arrhythmias, persistent chest pain or dyspnea, neurologic abnormalities, and perfusion abnormalities. This patient has a well-appearance in the question and no abnormalities in the EKG. And so they don't require inpatient admission. It can be safely discharged without patient follow-up. Build thought? Patients with high-risk features, they might require additional testing that necessitates additional observation. High-risk features, some of them, they're going to include severe trauma associated with obvious EKG findings or arrhythmias. If they're still symptomatic, so some of these folks might still have chest pain or dyspnea, any neurologic abnormalities, and obviously any perfusion abnormalities. Don't push those lytics, though. No, and we're going to cover burns in an upcoming review handout, but, you know, some of you are probably asking, what, hey, what about this patient's burn? Wouldn't you call burn surgery? Wouldn't you admit this patient? Well, you know, remember that most of the time uh, in the community, you're not going to have to transfer most of your burns, and I think we over-triage our burns in a lot of cases in the community, and this patient does not have any indications for transfer to a burn center. Transfer to a burn center is not indicated for an adult patient with a partial thickness burn that's less than 10% body surface area, non-circumferential, and does not involve the face, hands, or genitals. You know, the quote-unquote, you know, very sensitive, concerning for plastic surgery areas, right? And hey, can you talk about what's actually counted as a burn when we're looking at 10%? Too often, I see first-degree burns get included in yes. that. Please highlight that, Dr. Briggs. Please, please, please. Right. And, and remember on the test question, no one uses degrees anymore. Now, we still use degrees. That's a hard thing to get rid of. And people are going to be right. using that still. But in general, we've shifted from a degree system to a descriptive system. And right. basically, the first degree burns, otherwise known as superficial burns, should never be counted as part of your Please total body surface area. And it's just silly. You know, how many times, uh, Iltfat, do you uh, hear on the radio, oh, we got a 30% burn coming in. It comes in, it's five. Right. Uh, because Five. someone counted the yeah. superficial burn. And, and it's I get a waste it. of and, resources. And yeah. It is. And I get it from, a, you know, especially pre-hospital. It can be very difficult. Oh, yeah. I'm talking about transfers. I'm talking about transfers. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so what Dr. Bruce is talking about is an actual transfer. So this person's been evaluated. 
and now they're coming in and you look at it and you're like this is not uh you know this is very superficial it's not partial thickness and there's nothing to do for those obviously uh, it's basically yeah. like sunburn uh, put some aloe vera on it or something. So um, the other the other indication for transfer I never got a chance to finish would be uh, chemical burns. So any type of chemical burn or industrial burn should also be transferred to a burn center in general uh, if it is a partial thickness or worse than that. Uh, but really, that's just a summary of some key burn points. I promise you there is a, a burn review handout coming, hopefully before the IT here for uh, all of our subscribers so they can listen to that. But let's do some key points here. So not all patients require hospitalization following lightning strike injury. It sounds dangerous, sounds scary. The vast majority of people do fine. If they have no complaints, no EKG abnormalities, send them home. There's a wide range of injury severity following lightning strikes, but many patients are able to be discharged. And really, if you do some monitoring for several hours in the ED, that's kind of typically the, the clinical practice that's not really supported by research is, oh, watch them for a couple hours. You don't even have to get labs on them. Uh, if they look great, if they have no complaints, then send them home. And, you know, some sources, some people would say, oh, we need to watch them overnight. You know, that's really just up to you, and that'll never be tested on. The vast majority of lightning strike patients, if you get them on a test question or in real life and they have no complaints, or even electrical injury patients, we'll broaden this out, right? Uh, I had one recently, actually, you know, I'm down in, on the Gulf Coast here. There's a, a port. There's a lot of welding and industrial work here at the port, and one guy uh, got electrocuted while hooking up an electric, like some type of Ugh. wiring. And he was like, of course, not grounded appropriately. It's a wet oh, environment man. on the port. And he came in and he had zero complaints. And he's like, yeah, it's like someone watched me. Like I definitely like fell, collapsed, like lost consciousness and got up like immediately after and felt fine. We watched him for several hours in the ED and no EKG abnormalities. He's a healthy young guy. He was in his twenties. No complaints. He's, he's probably like, don't give me your work note. <laughs> yeah. He's, <laughs> he's like, I'm good. He, he was, actually. He's one of those guys I was like, uh, I don't even want to be here. Uh, let me right. go back to my job. <laughs> port workers always have a, a reputation of being... <laughs> uh, anyway, the best one is when we get, like, Russian tankers coming from, like, you know, the North <laughs> Arctic Sea, and they're down here, and they have, like, a translator for Russian in the ED. Anyway, so um, this, this guy, though, went back to work just fine because he was... Like, I don't want to be here any longer, and I feel fine. We watched him for several hours. So, again, most of these patients can go home, no problems. And I think that's it. You got anything else? Nope, that's it. Great. Easy question here. Uh, key points here from uh, managing partial thickness burns, discharge appropriate, and just a quick review of some nice lightning strike pearls because, you know, Ilfa and I both know, easy ITE question coming up for the next couple of weeks for the residents. Yep. Without a doubt. Hey, Dr. Briggs, can you take us out? Yeah. And that's another bomb delivered. Remember, you can find us on Twitter. Our handle is at EMPWarBombs and Instagram. Remember, our premium podcast, EM Rapid Bombs. You can sign up for EM Rapid Bombs at emrapidbombs.supercast.com. You can look at the show notes of this podcast as well for a direct link. And you can find the link on EM Board Bombs, our mother website as well. We'll see you next time. Yeah.